I'm Corrine. And I'm Cameron. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to A Conversation, conversation Between Women. Hi, Cameron. Hi, Corrine. So where do we start today? Well, I'll tell you where I want to start today is um, kind of in super bitch mode. <laughs> I, or super witch mode maybe is better. I wrote this whole thing today about what this year has meant for me. And it made me feel super like powerful and like really clear about where I'm going and who I'm becoming. And that felt really good. And it also, I'm bleeding right now. So it also really, you know, I'm channeling that aspect of my witchiness. And I really feel strongly right now, today and right now in this moment that I just give zero fucks <laughs> once again in my life about anybody else's stuff. And um, that feels really good to be back to that place, honestly, because it's been a long time. I feel like I've been in this cycle of the, the last few years since I had my daughter of, but probably more since I, it's more not about her, but more about moving to the Midwest of trying to play nice. And I had never experienced that before in my life. And it's been hardcore these last few years. And I feel like right now today, I just laid that down and it feels really good. <laughs> and I feel for the first time in a long time that I have something to offer the world now. And that also feels really good. I don't know what that is, but I know that it's in there. <laughs> so I haven't really... I, I just know that it comes in the form of me claiming my witchiness and just like, I think I'm going to start using that word more, not as like I'm taking on an identity necessarily, but because I'm accessing a part of me already that is already real and exists. And like, I am a witch, like that's what I am. Like in the past, I would be classified as a witch. So just claiming that word and being proud of it. And it's really more about stepping out of fear. And I was talking to my teacher about this uh, a couple of weeks ago because I was telling her, you know, I don't know. There's all, because she keeps saying, Cameron, you're a witch. Like you just need to like say those words. And I was like, yeah, but I hear all these women and they're like all hip and proclaiming like I'm a witch. And I'm like, no girl, you don't even know what that means. Like I live in rural America. If I say that I'm a witch, like literally my neighbors will come and try to burn me. You know, like it's not a safe time, even though you think it's cool because you live in the city and nobody really knows what that means. It's like not really still a cool time to be saying that you're a witch. Like people still are scared of that word. And I'm confronted with that all the time from my family and from, you know, people that I have access to in my world. And she, and at the same time, I was telling her that I'm getting a sign made for the front of our house that says healer and I have this open hour so people can just drop in. And she said, no, 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 no. So you're not going to call yourself a witch. You're going to call yourself a healer, but everybody around you knows exactly who you are. So stop hiding and stop playing small. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Like I was just, yeah. So I'm done with that. And, um, along with that comes this whole thing of, I'm going to probably have to tell a lot of people to fuck off. So it feels pretty good to like be in that place again, where I can just say that and be all right with it. <laughs> so that's, what's up for me. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, that's super cool um and just interesting of course because aren't we all downloading the same frequencies or whatever because i just had a couple conversations with that exact phrase of giving no fucks with a couple people around here and um and it's well it's interesting because both of it both conversations were about their experience but i was like yeah that's what i've been working on too but it was cool to see i guess somebody else in their experience and understand like how we're all struggling with doing that in our own ways and how we all want to do it in our own way. And, and I guess just realizing that the more that I was able to see that, it's like, I may look at that person and think, well, they've got it all together or they, you know, the world thinks that they're doing the right thing. 
but that person is also just trying to let it all go. So yeah, I, I hear that. And it's also interesting because I just had a conversation today around that offering something to the world, which is interestingly, just like the other piece of that, because you can't, you can't offer to the world what you have fully if you care about what the world thinks or how they're going to receive you. And that was a big shedding piece for me too, needing to recognizing where that came from for me and needing to knowing that the path forward is to just dismantle that uh, programming or conditioning or belief system that I've internalized and to like unhook it from every place in my energy field and in my being and just let it fall to the floor and be gone. I don't know. I read something that said every woman's a witch. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true, but I definitely know that every woman that I know is a witch <laughs> in some way. But um, yeah, the whole thing of like what you have to offer to the world. So this year there has been obviously for a lot of people, but definitely for, for me for my family and for our businesses, there's just been a lot of transformation or not really transformation, I guess. It's not really transformed yet. There's been a lot of falling apart. And the thing that I've learned about us that I already knew, but like has been confirmed is that we're really adaptable. We're super adaptable. I am really adaptable. Like I can turn on a dime. I can completely change my whole life in an instant. I'm really good at that. I've always been really good at that. It's a finely tuned skill. But what I am not so good at is kind of the space, the space in between. So there's this whole, I guess, law of manifestation, I guess is what I'll call it, that the universe has to clear space before the next thing comes in that you're bringing into the world. Well, I get that, but the the challenge for me is resting in that space and not filling it myself because I'm a really inspired person and I have so many ideas, so many ideas, and they're all great ideas. You know, I have so many things I want to do. So looking at where my business is at now, like my own personal business of Redbird Medicinals is that is looking at where it's at now and what I'm doing, like where my mind is with it is 50 different ideas since the first idea I had in the beginning of the year. So like starting in April, I was going to lead like five week long sovereignty journeys with people of like, here's, we're going to restructure your whole life in five weeks. And I'm going to give you a new house to live in. And like, this is what we're going to do together. And I wrote a whole curriculum and like did this whole thing. And then it, as soon as I did that, it was like, that's not the thing to do. So I like advertised it a few times. Then I was like, I don't want to do that. And then the next thing came and then the next thing, and it was all the same thing. Like I just like, because the way that I work is I just, it comes out and I do it immediately. Like there's no, I've never been somebody who just like stops and thinks about things because I'm super inspired. And there's so many ideas coming through that I feel like I have to give birth to them all. And so everything just kept coming up and kept coming up. And it was really like got to the point in this last like month where I feel like I've just taken, like instead of throwing different spaghetti noodles against the wall, like I just took the whole colander of drained spaghetti and was like throwing it. And then I boil another pot and I throw it and I'm like just seeing what sticks. And what I'm seeing is that nothing is sticking. And what's actually happening is that more and more things are being stripped away from my business. And I'm realizing like, what I actually want to be doing is like what I was already doing, which is I just want to make medicine and I want to do consultations with people one-on-one. -on -one. Like that's what I like to do. But I got, you know, I was doing all this like business, business classes and stuff like this. And everybody's all these like, uh, and I was working with coaches, which is probably the problem. I'm like, I'm not a coach. Um, and I was working with coaches and they're like, you don't want to coach just one person. You want to coach groups. Like that's how you make your money and that's how you scale up and all this stuff. So I got it in my mind that like working one-on-one -on -one with a client is something that I wasn't going to want to do anymore, but that's actually what I like doing. <laughs> like I like having one-on-one -on -one conversations. I like working one-on-one -on -one with people. So anyway, there's just all these things that have happened and what I realized is actually something that I learned when I had my car wreck the other day, which is I was so easily able 
to just know like this is what's happening. Things are unraveling right now. Like my car is spinning out of control and I'm just going to hold on to this wheel so I don't fly out the window, but I'm going to totally relax my body and I'm just going to let it happen. And in my mind, I heard everything is perfect. And I just knew it was perfect. And I did the whole thing and I flipped and all this stuff, but I can't, I haven't been able to do that in my life <laughs> where I see things falling apart and I don't try to like, like shore up the edges or patch the holes, you know, like, Oh, we have a leak. I got to patch it. But I actually made this connection yesterday. My life feels all the time this year, like it's been up on two wheels and I'm always trying to like pull it back down. Like it's a car up on two wheels going around the corner. And I was like, well, that actually did just happen to me <laughs> that I was going around a curve and my car got up on two wheels. And like, I was totally able to relax and just let it flip. And I was uninjured because of it. But why am I not able to do that in my day-to-day -day life from a spiritual perspective? <laughs> You know, so I've been thinking about that a lot today. Like, how can I just stop trying to do stuff, stop creating for just a moment and like allow the space to be there and know that the next thing is coming. It just takes a little time. It's kind of like a baby. Like when I wanted to be pregnant, I wanted so hard to be pregnant for years. I was just crying, but it was like, there wasn't a man in my life or there wasn't, I didn't have a job or like I was living on the road. Like there was all these reasons why my life was not the space for a baby. And then the, like literally the minute it all came into alignment, I mean, literally like Sam came back from Mexico we proclaimed we were ready to move forward. And a month later, I found out I was pregnant. So, you know, like it just happened that quickly. So I just need to stop filling the leaks <laughs> and just let it bleed out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that brings up something that <clears throat> uh, like, I guess maybe my new mantra <laughs> or my mantra for the moment um, that's come up for me is that the power is in the pause. Uh, because I need something when I'm like short circuiting. It's like, maybe if I just say that enough, there will be a moment where I'll go, wait, the power is in the pause, not the loss of power, but the power, <laughs> like the power is not in the quick fix in the quick reaction. The power is in the pause and the stillness, both the power of not reacting and the power of being able to, it's the power of choice. It's the power of being able to choose, but you can't choose if you're like, like problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution. And the interesting thing about a car wreck in terms of what, you know, why you were able to just totally relax into it. I personally find that in situations where it's like very clear that I actually can do nothing about it. I like, there's, there's like, yeah, you could try to correct the wheel, but like, you know, you're, you're spinning out and like, there's actually nothing that you can do. You know that you just have to surrender and like that, that is actually the only path worth taking. But in any other reality where we have the illusion of control, where we think that we actually can manipulate things to our will, which we can. And so it's really hard knowing that we can to then consciously choose to surrender and, and trust that there is something more powerful taking the wheel, literally. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I remember very clearly, I'm going to say it was probably five or six years ago. It was before I had my daughter and before I was, um, before Sam was back and um, it was a kind of an in-between time of my life. And I remember this, this idea, this word surrender coming up over and over for me because I was living a really, the most masculine energy dominant life I'd ever live. I was really working from my masculine and it was hard for me. Like physically, it was hard for my body to push like that and to have that drive. And that's when I, I always thought people always told me that I was really masculine. Like my energy was really masculine. And so I just assumed that. And that's when I realized it's actually not, I'm super feminine. <laughs> like I don't have that same kind of will that is the masculine energy will like my will is totally different and it's more it really is more about just like trusting and going with the flow and so but in that time i was really thinking a lot about surrender and it felt so much like defeat 
I couldn't do it. I just could not mm-hmm. do it. I, I, I openly acknowledged, I get that this is where I'm supposed to go, but I just can't do it. Like I cannot surrender because if I surrender, then the whole world's going to overtake me. And waving my white flag, it was literally the image of like war, you know, like waving my white flag. And now I surrender so many times in my, like in every day to life and being, you know, mostly being a mom and just realizing like I could choose this battle, but I'm not going to. And there's so many battles I don't want to choose. Like my daughter right now is, it's 32 degrees outside and she's still wearing summer dresses, like super strappy summer dresses. And she just found her summer shoes that were too big for her this summer. So now she's wearing them and she loves them and they're so cute. And I'm like, not going to fight that fight. And she says, I like the cold on my skin. And when we're driving in the car, she says, roll the windows down. I want to feel the cold air. And I'm just like, this is insane. But she was born in February. Like she was born and we lived in a tent and I didn't like swaddle her or do any of the stuff, you know, she was like a naked baby in a tent in February. So she's kind of like a little tiny bear. (laughs) So it was just totally different for me. I'm not really good with the cold. So I just have to not fight that fight. And there's so many of those battles throughout the day that I just have to surrender and say, whatever, (laughs) it's going to be what it's going to be. If you lose a toe, I warned you. Those are definitely the moments for me that are the the power in the pause thing is like that's that's where that came from. <laughs> how many of those how many of those things am I gonna react to? I totally hear you about feeling like you're waving your white flag because I think so much in a masculine driven, energy driven society, it's totally equated with giving up. Surrender is not surrender, it's giving up. It's failure. And defeat. Defeat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I just, man, I felt that so strongly for so many years with my daughter and it was just, it was so, it's, it's a, it ends up being a power struggle and it's so hard to live like that. And I just had a conversation this morning with her because the mornings are definitely the hardest for me. If I'm uh, if I wake up to certain kinds of experiences, <laughs> And I, I kind of, I didn't handle one well this morning. And I was, fortunately, we both like had space after I got upset and she, she understood that like I needed to take space because I was just upset. And so she allowed me to have that space, for which I'm really grateful. And afterwards, when we reconnected, I feel like it was, I mean, I've kind of had this conversation with her before, but I, I feel like it was the first time I was really able to actually connect with her on it and under, and really feel it in myself where I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I got so upset and what I was trying to express, like I understood how upset I was. And I understood that if I was in the same space with you, that I, all I was going to be was just angry and upset. And I didn't want to do that to either one of us because when, when I do that, it hurts both of us. And she was like, how does it hurt you? And I was able to explain like that it eats away at me because of how terrible I feel about myself because I love her so much and I don't want to be like that. And I, and you know, that it's out of integrity with who I really am and who I strive to be. And, and I think that piece for me, just being able to connect and, and have that sort of understanding come in to the conversation that she understands that I don't want, like, if I'm saying like, I need space, you know, stay away from me, like that it's, that that's what it is, that it's an understanding that like, I'm just angry. And sometimes, and we had this whole conversation where she was like, yeah, some, cause I was saying sometimes when people are angry, you just need to let them be angry and give them space because they're just angry and they can't get through it. You know, they just need, they're just angry and you just got to give them space. She was like, yeah, even with kids. And I was like, yes, even with kids, sometimes <laughs> it's better to just give them space, you know? And so we had this whole sort of like, it totally sucked. And then it totally like came back around and, and was able to be this point of understanding and connection that I feel maybe bridged a new, like was the bridge to a new step, you know, a new level of awareness, understanding, connection, and sort of understanding of human emotions. And, um, and not that I want to do that again, (laughs) 
though I'm sure it'll happen again, but just to tie it into the surrender piece, like for me, having that conversation was also helpful for me because then I didn't feel like the demon. And then I realized it was helpful to, to let it sink in of, wow. Yeah. I really did hurt myself too by doing this because, and I'm so grateful that she's letting me reconnect with her and that she's hoping she's opening the space inside of herself for me to reconnect with her. So that it's not surrender. The power is in the pause because that power is the power of my love for her and the power of our connection and the power of my choice to choose over and over and over in all of those incredibly frustrating moments to choose our connection. Yeah. I, I come up with that a lot with my daughter too. And just, I noticed that, you know, it's about, I don't know, maybe 50, 50 for me of the times when I can actually vocalize, like I need for you. And I I've trained her from a very young age. You never go towards an angry person. You always go the other way. When somebody's angry, you leave the scene. Like that's it. Because in my life, anger is just extreme, you know, like in my own personal, with my own personal anger, anger, with my partner's anger, like both as, and I'm talking about like with us as like young, young people, younger people, we just both had really um, fiery, fiery anger. And so it has caused both of us a lot of trouble in our lives, um, both with our families and with the law. (laughs) And so it's not really like, I don't want for Walayla to ever think that you ever go towards somebody who's angry. Like, you just go away. So I've always taught her that. You just go away from anybody who's angry and wait till they calm down. But what I notice, something that consistently happens is right before I start bleeding, she gets really needy because she can start, she can, I start to disassociate and she, and I don't know why at the age of 38 that I'm surprised every month when I start my period. I'm like, all of these weird things are happening to me. I have no idea what's going on. It must be something astrological. And then I like start my period today. And I'm like, why am I so crabby right I know. now? Why this do I so hate obnoxious. everybody? Why am I disassociating <laughs> from my daughter every month? Uh, but no, yep. it's, and then today I started, started bleeding and I was like, oh, duh, I'm so stupid. But, um, so yeah, I, I feel myself dissociating. And then as I do that, of course, she moves more towards me because she feels me like leaving, exiting stage left. And she's like, hey, what about me? And so when I can get, when I see what's happening, <laughs> I can tell her what's happening and be like, I need per- personal time. And <laughs> I just need to go and like lay in bed and pout for 20 minutes, which is what happened yesterday. I was just like, I don't know what is going on, but I despise everybody in this house. I want you all to move out. And I just want to be an old hag in the woods by myself. And I like stormed upstairs, went to my bedroom and I just told her like, don't come in here. And I just got under the blanket literally 20 minutes and I felt so much better. And I came back down. I was like normal, happy mom. And then it was so funny because she did this, like she had something happen and got upset with me and she stormed off and she's had a bedroom by the way, for about two minutes of her life. Like she just moved into this bedroom and she stormed up to the, to the spare bedroom. She still calls it, which is where she's been sleeping. She stormed up there and was like literally just stormed up there and stormed right back down. Like that was her like foray into storming off. And so I was like, well, that's kind of funny. And then her dad came home and he did the thing where he just like got mad about something and stormed up. I was like, what is going on everybody's just storming off but it always happens because i'm on my period like everybody's on their period but i'm when i'm on my period like why get your own time of the month so it's just kind of funny but when i can actually get to that point where i can say i just need personal time she's totally totally cool with letting me have it and we'll go you know do something else but it's still really challenging for me to figure out that that's what I need or to actually say it because I know it's what I need, but I, I have guilt that I want, I want too much time to myself. But Mm -hmm. the truth actually is, is that I do need a lot of time to myself. And I, if I don't have that, like if I don't have two hours in the morning to do yoga and meditate and sing and do whatever the hell I want and like drink a cup of tea and be quiet. I'm crazy for the rest of the day. So I have to have time to myself every day. And yeah, so that's just it. And I don't need to feel guilty about that. I just need to do it. (laughs) And 
That's, well, that's yeah, that's probably the hardest of the give no fucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's just yeah. all this guilt like that I shouldn't be feeling yeah. That I need I shouldn't I shouldn't want to be by myself at all ever because I chose to have a family and Yes. Yes. You know, like I mm-hmm. should just want to be around I chose all the time. to have this baby and so it's I don't get to do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> like I automatically chose this and this is my lot, you know, like a woman's life yeah. is suffering and that's just old biblical crap that's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One so, thing I forget what I that I have actually has come around once recently and then I was like, I'm going to remember this because this is a total game changer. And then I completely forgot it again until this moment is in that piece of the guilt of the, of the mother is that I always, it's, it's so in in a way it's like so completely self-centered. I mean, it is totally self-centered, but it's that, yes, I agreed to this baby coming in and I chose this and I chose to be this person's mother and this person chose to have their own life and come in so yeah i'm the steward but and she chose you right like like, she chose chose to come in (laughs) so yeah yeah like i that's a really like to even in a way you can go further where because the thought is for me at least it's there's this aspect of like people are going to look at me and say what are you doing? Like you chose to have this kid take responsibilities, you know, step up. If I take it like a step further, like that's that in and of itself is like super negating of the kid. You know, it's like, well, how about we all recognize that this kid chose to come here and we honor this child's existence instead of just that this child is the, the burden of somebody's responsibility. You know, it's like if we honored children and we honored life, that whole guilt piece of a mother would like not even exist. Yeah. Because like we would all just, just be looking a... at the new life and being like, look at this child. How can we support and love this child? Yeah. Instead of that, yeah. you just got a lump of coal in your stocking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like bah humbug about that. Yeah. 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 It's, I try to remember that all the time and I'm pretty good at like not internalizing the trauma that I'm probably causing my child. (laughs) Like I think about that a lot, like whenever I'm being just an asshole or something and, you know, I have the guilt and then I always have this conversation of, you know, she chose to come here to knowing exactly who I am. And, you know, because she was still attached to God source and, you know, I'm just this like arm of God or whatever. So she chose to come here and to live this life with me and and that doesn't mean that you know i can just completely be a jerk but i'm human and i am not expected to be perfect and god loves me even if i'm because you know god knows god is me i am god so there's no like i have to behave in a certain way to deserve this child or Mm. to deserve the role of mother or and I just think about this, like my own story with my own parents and how I've turned out is the perfect example, really, because I mean, I came from a really messed up family, like my mom's family is really messed up, but, and I'm basically the only one who's made it out alive. Everybody else is just really on the struggle bus every day of their lives and I could have been born to, I was born into not just to my mother, but into that bloodline because there's some gift in that bloodline that I wanted to have access to, which I know now is being a witch. Like I know that because my mom totally, you know, yeah, my, my mom, my grandma, my great grandma, all of them have these same abilities. And so I chose to come into this bloodline And I chose to come through my mom. Like I could have chosen to come through any other person in my mom's family Mm -hmm. even. And I didn't, I chose to come through my mom. And that's because I can see very clearly that that's because I needed what she had to give me, which is a lot of tough love and a lot of life experiences that nobody else in my family got to have. And a lot of like compassion. Like I've developed, been able to develop a lot of compassion, compassion for other people 
based on the situation that I grew up in. And <clears throat> I mean, I really don't believe that there's a such thing as good and bad. And I wouldn't be able to say that if I didn't grow up with people who, you know, were bad people, you know, <laughs> around me all the time, who everybody said were bad people, but I could just see that they were not bad. They were just had some problems or whatever. And yeah, so I wouldn't be able to be who I am if I hadn't come through the people that I come through. So I have to, I know that I chose that. I know that my daughter has chose to come through the same bloodline. So I'm not going to feel too guilty <laughs> about any, about me being myself and, or even if that is my messed up self and, or my, un, my unhealthy self or whatever, I'm not going to feel, I don't want to carry on that burden of guilt because really what it is, is that extra burden of the guilt or the shame. It adds a whole other element to the whole problem. Like I could just be mad at my daughter and yell at her, but then when I have the guilt and the shame and I internalize that, then I'm more mad at her because it's a reflection of how horrible I am. So I hate myself and I just reflect to her what it feels like to hate yourself. And so, I mean, I'm able to see, even though I can't remember some things that happened with like my mom when I was really young, I can see how I was treated by my parents because of the things that come out with my daughter. I'm like, where did that yeah. come from? Like, I would never treat anybody else like that. Why am I doing that to my kid? And so when I can think back, I'm like, I bet that's something that my dad said to me or something, or I bet that's something that my mom, that totally seems like something my mom would do, you know? So I can kind of see how I have learned these things before I, and I just don't have an actual memory of them, but obviously somebody taught it to me. <laughs> well, that is the, it is the, the judgment piece, the judgment of the actions and the thoughts and the words that makes really all the difference because well, I had two things. So I was thinking, it made me think about the car wreck experience and how like your experience of that and your way of moving through that made it not a non thing, but just, it just was, you know, versus it would be so easy for anyone to look at that and, or to have gone through that experience and then to, to identify it for themselves as this tragedy, this horrible thing, this loss, this, like, you know, a million trauma. Yeah. Yeah. A million terrible things versus just, it just is. And I mean, it is definitely the stories of shame and guilt and negative self-talk. And really it's just self-abuse for me personally that, that, perpetuated any type of that has perpetuated any type of you know expressions of anger and and unkindness like it you totally what you're saying because you know what it's the whole thing about what you give your energy to so if you if you if it happens and instead of just letting it go and become immediately a thing of the past really it ceases to exist if you allow that to happen because the present moment just keeps renewing itself but if you attach onto it, then it, it's like, it's like a ghost, right? Yeah. Like a ghost who doesn't know that they were supposed to move on and they just get attached to the house or the land or the, or the story. And they just keep cycling back through. Meanwhile, like the universe is waiting, you know, or the, the, the next dimension or whatever it is, is just there always available to this spirit. And so it's really, like you're you're just holding on to the the ghost of this idea of something and then internalizing it and the more you hold on to it the more concrete it becomes and and then the more energy you're feeding it and then you have to figure out how to get it out of you so the more energy you have to give it and it's just this whole like self-perpetuating thing yeah and the cop really interesting. that came to my car accident totally tried to lay that shame blame guilt thing on me like hardcore oh. <clears throat> well first of all i was in the back of a cop car which made me feel really uncomfortable there were so many red flags i was like i should not be in here but and he's like talking to me from the front seat and he's just asking me he wasn't around he didn't see any of it happen like he wasn't there he was called to come there because that's what somebody called him because that's what you do and he was going to ask me my statement or whatever of what happened but before he asked me what happened. He said, I'm going to tell you what I think happened and I'm going to write that down. And then you tell me if I'm right. 
And then you tell me what, what you think happened. That's exactly what you said to me. In my mind, I was thinking, you're trying really hard to make me guilty of something, but it was just an accident. Like I didn't hurt anybody, nothing, you know, it's fine, but you're trying really hard to make me feel guilty about something. And what it was is he eventually ended up giving me a ticket for losing control or failure to maintain control of the vehicle. And he said, the reason is because anytime a person doesn't maintain control, they get, you know, that's failure to maintain control. But he's like, you didn't maintain control, but you probably could have if you would have had it in four wheel drive. And it's just like, you don't know that. You have no idea like what would have happened. You're just making up this story and trying to make me feel bad about it. So luckily I'm like a defiant person and was like, oh hell no, you're not putting that on me. Otherwise, if I was some like my partner's mom or something, she would have just taken that on and been like feeling like the worst person ever. She would have been so embarrassed about it and like never told anybody about it. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, this is your job. And you're just like dumping all your bullshit guilt on me. It was so weird. So it was a pretty interesting experience, but I was totally, you know, and because I also have a distrust of cops, I was like very separate from him. And there was a window between us. So I was physically separate, but I was just like, I'm not picking up what you're dropping down, buddy. So you can make up whatever you want, but that's not what I'm going to believe. <laughs> so yeah. And, and I mean, other, it's not just him. Other people do this to us all the time. Right. Like, yeah. especially as moms, <laughs> like there's so yeah. many things that we're supposed to feel guilty about for just being a mom or being a, a human. <laughs> I was just talking to a friend about this, that, um, the idea that, that we know who we are. It's, it comes back to the giving of fucks. It's that we, we know who we are and, and the entire world or a lot of it is going to try to put their ideas on us and make us believe them about ourselves. And we're programmed and conditioned to internalize those and to believe that we are what, what people tell us we are instead of what we know we are um, for any number of reasons. And, you know, I mean, you can offend buddy, somebody by doing nothing. Yeah. You know, you can offend somebody by standing in the wrong place. Like it's, yeah, it's, the, I think, I think the, the boundaries are so crucial, but it's also, it's not, I think it's not, it's not just about boundaries. It's not just about, about creating some, you know, energetic interference between somebody's shit being, you know, entering your sphere, but it's also about the cultivation like you clearly are doing like that cultivation of the inner fire that is going to come up and meet and create the, like the, the pressure inside of it so that it doesn't just, whatever that field is that you create around yourself, that it doesn't just like crumble when somebody pushes against it. Like you have to ride, you have to puff it out. And well, at least the conversation that I was just having, like the, the hard thing that I know I come up against is when somebody kind of, threatens you or comes at, come, comes at you aggressively or, or manipulating you or something, you know, something like a situation that you were in, even if you, even the, the desire to like ruffle your own feathers and like puff them up and be really big and powerful to, to challenge that, even that is still taking on their story and, and it's playing into the, yeah, it's like playing it, into yeah. the same, the same storyline that they're in versus just choosing clearly who you are and what you're going to be in that moment and then presenting that and not allowing the outside to to dictate in any way whatsoever like you would i don't know if that was in a previous episode conversation that we had but you talked about that you know just yeah this is something that my teacher has talked to me about because that's where what i would always do is i would just push up against that's the only way i knew how to resist was to or to to not become something was to actually physically push up against it and resist it. And what I'm learning now and where I'm trying to move is it's kind of like what you're saying of puffing up, but it's instead of puffing up, it's radiating out. So mm -hmm. like you're your own bubble and you just carry your own bubble. And I've met people who aren't like spiritual people or like enlightened in any way. They just are this way. They just take their bubble with them and whatever is going on around them, they're just doing their thing and totally oblivious to the whole, like they might be at a party and they're totally oblivious because they're having their own party in their own bubble. And 
I used to be in a band with a woman who is like this and I never understood it. I was like, how are you not impacted? And she was just like living her life, whatever, just didn't care. And it was so interesting to me. But yeah, that's actually something that I wrote in this whole thing that I wrote down about just being the witch is that I have realized my whole life that I'm very malleable and I'm malleable to external external forces that come at me. So I can, I'm really adaptable. I can, whatever social situation I'm in, I become whatever is needed in that moment. And there's some like merit to that. That's a necessary tool, right? But it's only a necessary tool for someone who's hiding <laughs> because I'm just taking on whatever I have to take so I don't get crucified. So being a witch, that's been very useful. But now what I'm realizing is that I don't want to be that way anymore because I just want to be, I just want to take my bubble with me. I want to radiate out. And so if I go anywhere, everybody else can change if that's the thing, but I'm not going to change. So, you know, if it is that everybody else changes, that's all fine. But I've lived my whole life accommodating other people and I'm just not going to do it anymore. So I'm going to radiate out my light. And if that offends you and you feel like you need to shrink, that's your own shit. And like, I had this whole thing, a friend of mine made an order from my web shop for somebody else that she wanted to gift something to. And she wrote in there of like how she would like it if I wrote a really like nice note to this woman who I don't know and tell her all about grief and tell her how this medicine can help her and basically just tell her this story. And there she asked me that and I've done it in the past for her, but I realized like, ain't nobody got time for that. She can figure that out on her own. And I told you that I have a grief workshop she can buy. Like, I'm not gonna take the time to like write out this long love note to somebody who I don't even know. I write handwritten notes with all of my orders anyway, but like, I'm not going to do. And so I realized in that moment that I was being manipulated. I was being manipulated to be who she wanted me to be. She wanted me to be this like accommodating goddess. That's like, and this is a quality of this friend of mine that she is, she draws out. I mean, she gets free stuff all the time. And I'm always like, how do you do it? But she's extremely manipulative. She just like makes people do what she wants. That's like her witchy quality. But I was like, I don't want to play this game. I don't want to do it. And so I just wrote the regular note I would write. And I'm waiting. I know I'm going to hear back from her that I didn't write a good enough note. And I'm just going to be like, fuck off. Write your own goddamn note. This is your person. I don't even know this person. So you wrote, write your own note. Whatever you want her to know about grief. Like, that's not my job. And if you want that to be my job, you can pay me to do it. Like you didn't pay me enough money to write a love note. <laughs> so like, I'm just done with that. And I'm going to just that. Yeah, I'm done with it. I'm done with being everybody's stuff being put on me. Like I'm now moving outward. I'm radiating out who I am and what I'm doing. And if it offends you, that's not my business. <laughs> that just makes me think of I, I just kind of had an, an, an epiphany before we started this about taking things personally and the, the concept, cause I'm, t I, well, I, maybe as a kid, I was, I missed the bus a lot and I got a lot of flack for that, <laughs> but I was like petrified about ever being late to classes and, you know, I mean, I think catching the bus was just something I could not do anything about. I just couldn't make it happen. <laughs> um, and the more I got yelled at, the slower I moved probably. But with with school, for whatever reason, I was like, I had to be on time. I'd run through the halls and couldn't be late to school. But um, I've I've taken on timeliness as a, as a trait in my adult years, I would say, for the most part. Um, that is totally one of those things that I, I'm like real quick to get offended about and like jump to my own like kind of stories and conclusions. And I have a friend here who is like, oh my God, she's, she's blowing that out of the water. Cause I mean, somebody said something about her once about it just as like, a, oh, this is just, we just know this. And I was like, oh, not only can you just be late, but people can also just know that you're late and accept and it's, it. It's, it's just fine. all good. Yeah. Like, so you're not a bad person if you're late. 
You're not disrespect. You're not inherently disrespectful. You're not inherent because I think that was probably from being, you know, missing the bus all those times and being late to school. And just, that's probably that, like that internalized, like I am a terrible six-year-old because I cannot catch the bus and nobody in my family is doing anything to help me. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm clearly a horrible person. Yeah. Right. What that makes me think of the taking it personally thing is it makes me think of how they always say that like the children of divorced parents always think that it's their fault. Like the children Mm -hmm. always think that divorce is their fault. So this whole idea, I mean, that extends to everything. Anytime we're taking it personally, that is us. That's like our inner child, right? So that's us Mm -hmm. coming at the situation from an immature standpoint. Like we have that area hasn't matured in us. And yeah. So when you think about it that way, it's like, and, and it may be true that the other people are being disrespectful. It might be true. Like it still has nothing to do with me, right? Because your stuff is your stuff and my stuff is my stuff and how I react to your stuff is my stuff too. Like, you know, like it's just, it's just, you worry about you yeah. and I'll worry about me and then it's just fine. And it, that's what comes back to the whole taking 100% responsibility. It's so empowering to me to just take the responsibility yeah. of like, Yes, this person. And so like how I take responsibility in our relationship is if I know that I want to leave at a certain time, I lie and I tell him an extra 15 minutes. I do this to him. I do this to his sister who's always late too. I tell them a different time so that they'll be early and then they just show up at the right time. And I do that with a lot of people who I know are late. I do it. I do it to my mom. I do it to a lot of people. I don't feel guilty about it because we all are just trying to survive (laughs) and I need for you to be on time. So I'm just going to lie to you. And a lot of times people know that I'm lying to them, but, um, something about it still makes them show up on time, even if they know that I'm lying. So it works. (laughs) Yeah. Taking responsibility is saying, what do I need in this situation? in order to be okay. Yeah. And And I mean, the the counter to that is that like, sometimes I can relax, right? Like sometimes we don't actually have to leave at 10 o'clock AM. Like we're not on a time schedule. That's just because what really happens a lot of times that I make up a time that I want to leave and it has nothing to do with any set schedule other than that's when I want to (laughs) leave. So yeah, I like enforce that upon everybody else, but it's just totally, you know, it's just my timeline. So in those situations, I can relax a little bit. That's it, interesting. The the piece of that that if you're what if you're blaming, what well, what did you say that, that it's somehow that you're taking? I was talking about the divorce thing, and how oh. kids kids think it's their fault that their parents get divorced. So it's the same thing with us. That if we're taking it personally, then we're just making it about us, like. I'm thinking it's our fault yeah, or it's some way related to us. Yeah. That it's just like our immature, like our inner child self, right? you know, taking that on, which is really just like egocentric. It's just Mm -hmm. our ego being like, everything's all about me all the time. Nobody else has any motivations for anything other than to displease me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is completely ridiculous. I totally had a situation like that the other night here, which is weird because I'm like, I expect all my neighbors to be, you know, considerate, respectful, kind, communicative as needed. And, and they all are, but I had this like weird, very subtle, well, subtle. It was, didn't feel subtle. I don't know. It didn't seem subtle, but it was like an unspoken kind of thing happened with a neighbor that seemed completely kind of ridiculous, but they're, are so many potential reasons why it could have been personal, you know, um, <laughs> that immediately it's like, yeah, this, the, the, the stories that come up are, um, you know, could be because of, could be because of this, this, and this, or did I, did I say something that was offensive and, and he actually now just hates me. And so that's how he's going to treat me every time he sees me. But when did it, you know, when did it start? Did he ever do that before? When was the last time I saw him? And it just like this whole running through this whole litany of crazy thoughts. And then, and then after I kind of like let that run its course dry, I was like, oh, also let's look at the greater circumstances of the situation. 
he could have just had a really bad encounter with somebody because he just maybe he just got home. I'm not really sure. I you know there's like the the, the suddenly the the veils lifted and the bubble expanded. The bubble expanded. You know of like what could it what the possible causes for this could have been. And it was like oh it's infinite and like he could just be having a really bad day. He could have just had like a fight with his kids in the car or something. You know there's like so many other reasons. I still don't know, but it got me to a place of compassion versus self-indulgent, like paranoia, judgment, storyline, whatever. Having something sort of so benign, because I mean, it was a relatively non-existent interaction that I could just sort of play around with all of that. And like, if it turned out that he was actually really angry at me and being really rude or passive aggressive or whatever it was like it's not actually that big of a deal so if it comes out in the wash that i should have taken it personally okay i'll live we'll figure it out or we won't and we'll move on and the world will still go you know and like it wasn't like a major catastrophic kind of thing that like i couldn't handle if that was the possible outcome you know so i was able to like play around with it and go through the whole thing and and come to that place of like maybe maybe it's all about him and wow, that's a bummer if he was feeling that bad that that was how he treated me. Okay. And I felt so much better. I was like, yeah, let's do this more often. <laughs> yeah, well, and then the thing is too that like maybe he wanted you to take it personally. That Like let's say yeah. that, that aspect, maybe he wanted you to take it personally and it was something about you that triggered him, but it still doesn't have anything to do with you. Because you yeah. aren't like going around like purposely trying to, I mean, even if you were going and trying to purposely poke at somebody, if we are like our mastered selves, like it's like I was saying earlier, we don't, people can't put their shit on us. Like we are radiating out. And so anything, I'm rubber, you're glue. Anything you say bounces off of me and sticks back to you. Like that's your shit. You take it, you know? Like, so if it was his stuff and he had an issue with you, then it still doesn't matter. It's still not your stuff. It's still his stuff that he needs to resolve. And maybe he needs to resolve it with you. And maybe if he brought that to you, you'd be like, well, I actually don't care. Like, that's just how I am. And if you don't like it, then suck it. And that's fine too, because this is what I'm trying to tell people all the time. It is not against the law to be a jerk. So if you were just being a jerk and hurt his feelings or whatever, it's still his issue. Like it's still his issue because you get to live however you want and do whatever you want. And like people, we all just need to quit being fucking babies <laughs> and like quit taking everything personally. And yeah, like that's part of like growing up. It's just, let's stop making it about us. And I mean, make it about us, like live our own life, but also like not making other people's lives about us or their experiences about us. Like we're all just here experiencing this world. Hi, this is Cameron, and I wanted to thank you for joining this conversation between women. If you've had a good time being a fly on the wall, make sure you tell your sisters, your girlfriends, your mama, and your aunties to listen in for next month's Conversation Between Women.